maybe kind of in the ballpark of how I imagined to surf the old wooden boards, you know? Like, the, they have such a circular rail, and they're so volume. It's like riding a cork, you know? And uh, it's been really fun to kind of go backwards and try and ride those. I mean, as you know, we're paddling. Yeah. Just stop in the cottons and ride a few waves, and it's almost like the highlight of the whole paddle. Yeah. It's sick. Yeah, that's what, when Dane was, I heard him on the phone with you, and he's like, he was like, yeah, I was thinking, you know, the paddleboard knows. I, I just overheard him say, I'm like, we got a phone with him. And he's like, oh, I'm with Donnie. And he started telling me about his project. And yeah, it's, it, it, that one was really fun because of sort of looking back to the Hawaiian heritage and tradition yeah. and wanting to pay homage to that. That's awesome. But then also not wanting to be sort of locked in that box. Yeah. I mean, I think if any designer from that time would have looked forward going like, what the heck are you guys doing? You're going, yeah foam and fiberglass <laughs> and you're going backwards yeah, yeah so we looked backwards and then uh, sort of sniffed forwards in, in other words yeah. you know like but I think that long parallel you're a passenger for a lot of that yeah. sensation in a ride and if you're over piloting it it's never going to even unlock or yeah. work or just it'll back you it's like riding a, a train on a one way ticket well a little <laughs> bit but I mean you got some control but I just think the sensation of what you'll get out of a board like that, mm -hmm. you know, like that's a pretty, pretty interesting. Bad. That's um, go go well on this. You can a little. Oh yeah, you know what? Um, I actually I have another cup in the car. Maybe I should I just grab it and do a little. Splash yeah, I, we can do a little. We can top up from that. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Let me go grab it. It's, yeah, no straight. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Always have a handy hydro. Oh nice. In the car, ready for action. Yeah, help yourself. Sir. Thanks much. You know what's funny is I'm. So I actually had at home, we just got this really good bag of coffee, but the beans are Just whole. pour it out, just like that. Oh, just like that. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. The beans are what, sir? They're whole, and I don't have a little grinder. Oh, yeah. So it's been funny because I've been smelling the bag of coffee, and I'm like, it smells so good. <laughs> but I, like, I went to the Ralph's, and I couldn't find a grinder, and I'm going, dude, it shouldn't be that hard to find one of things. The secret is a burr grinder. So they're oh, not what? cutting the beans, it's grinding them. Is that what Dane has? Do you know by chance? Uh, it's like a little guy who has like a, it's like a dish on top. And he has on top of it. I think it, I think that's what he's got. Yeah, yeah. What did you call it? A burr? Burr grinder. I guess it's like, it sort of gnarls. Instead of dicing it. Instead of exactly right. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna maybe after this I'm gonna <laughs> invest because it's, it's hectic. I'm gonna go in coffee shops and. I mean that's interesting that you say that. Like I'm thinking about. Yeah, I'd like to sit down and sort of talk about your year, talk about your intent or your plans for um, going forward. But is um, what, what's what's the program? I mean, what's what's the what's the daily schedule like, and how much does it differ once you get on the road? I mean, you've been on the road for so long. I know you've got it yeah. down. Um, this year, yeah, gosh, I was kind of gone all year, so it was fun. It was we were kind of calibrating on my last four months. I was home for one day or two days. Um, and so it's been good. I've been home now for like a week and a half, and it's been sick waking up at home and, you know, just having kind of a pretty normal program, really. Um, the, on the road, I think for me, it's like I'm really in tune with the events. You know, obviously this year was dedicated a lot to doing the competitions. Um, so my whole kind of every day was revolving around kind of a building step of stepping stones and kind of foundation uh, into each event, you know. So it kind of felt like, for four months, I was ready to serve my best heat of my life any day, you know, and every day because you show up to an event and you have two weeks or two and a half weeks and the event, 
you're prepping towards that moment when they're going to call you into action. And so, you know, it would start with really early mornings. You know, I love getting up early and mm. kind of finding that. For me, I, I feel like finding that really happy uh, space is early in the morning when it's like really quiet. Sun's just coming up. There's not really any anything to distract you, you know, and, and I feel like that was when I was really tapping into kind of my, I guess my chi or my energy, you know, and uh, sure. so it was cool. I really enjoyed that. Like that was part of the process, you know, this year I felt when I requalified, I really wanted to immerse into every day and make every day like a really um, great opportunity, you know, whether I was in first or last or winning, you know, an event or losing an event, it was... To me, it was all about the preparation and trying to really just enjoy every moment, you know, every opportunity. So, yeah, so it was fun. It was like that. It all started in the morning. That was kind of where my intention was set. And from there, it was a lot of a lot of surfing, you know, three times a day and training and, and mentally prepping, doing a lot of visualization. And, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Man. I really enjoyed it. It's a, it so, cool. I mean, you say, you say that and it makes so much sense, but did you start the year... Which was a massive year, obviously. Congratulations, yeah. <laughs> but w- did you start the year with intentions that you either wrote down or made sure you reminded yourself of every day? I mean, obviously, yeah. the goal was to win the world t- <laughs> title. Yeah, that's how you show up. I mean, gosh. obviously, you fine sliced it a little more. Um, how did, how how did maybe since we're sitting at the start of a new year yeah. and going down this conversation of, in my opinion, resolution is a. A, um, dangerous word, <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm thinking of setting intentions for a season, a year, a program, a project, a year. Right now, since we're mm-hmm. at the beginning of one, but can you sort of look back on what your intentions were when you started the year? I know yeah. you've touched on them a few times in conversations, but for sure. it'd be nice to go over. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> it was it was cool. You know, I, actually, it's really clear in my mind kind of what my intentions were because. Great. It was. It became almost a mantra for for mm-hmm. my year. So every, you know, I had different things I was working on. Um, I think on the whole of the year, like it was really interesting to be home, and get nominated onto tour basically by watching Italo Ferrera perform the pipe, and he double qualified, and that was kind of my ticket in. And and uh, you know, you feel really helpless in that moment because you're watching your own fate unravel on a webcast or on TV, and. You're going, man, that's kind of high. And, and I had so much faith in my hard work and my performance up to that point that, you know, I felt really um, not confident, but I think comfortable because the result wasn't really what I was focused on at that moment. It was more focused on the performance. And so I kind of took that forward into this year, and I really, um, or in 2018, I guess now, um, it was really focused on the performance. And, and that was kind of like, uh, I had a conversation with Mike Parsons in the beginning of the year, and he had a really cool kind of insight where he was talking about Caroline Marks coming on to the tour as a rookie and, you know, how he was helping her approach her season. I, I think that he had four things that was like if your body was in check, you know, kind of a checklist like mm-hmm. every day, your body, your boards, your mind, and I think learning competitive strategy, you know, or evolving or improving. Um and so he was focused with her to go, hey, if you can do those four things, your results are going to come at the end of the year. But, you know, it was less about her putting pressure on you have to be a top three or top five or whatever it is uh, in the ratings, you know. And so I really kind of took that to heart. And I look up to Mike and obviously Caroline, she's gnarly. I absolutely love her surfing. And, yes. Um, so it was cool. You know, I had a lot of mentors in that space. I, I always want to learn and improve. And, you know, I was reaching out to different people to kind of see – 
how they're approaching the seasons, you know, and um, I wanted to have it with a really open mind and a beginner's mind. That was a, a word that we kept kind of coming back to, which was that, you know, everything that we've built up in time to get us to that place in time, you know, all the hard work and all the lessons we learned, the heats we've won and lost, you know, I wanted to still be able to learn and not be opinionated like, oh, I have to do it this particular way or I have too strict of a routine that um, it may have gotten me here, but I want to keep progressing forward in my performance, you know. Um, so, yeah, so those those four things kind of resonated heavily with me. So every day I was really focused on those, you know. Did everything feel good? Did I put the time in mentally to visualize and, and prep that way? And my boards this year with Mike Andrews, which challenge were easily the best boards I've ever had, ever. And it, literally almost every board was like a 10. It was crazy. And um, so it was cool. It was just one of those years where even though my result at the end actually didn't reflect, I think, the performance, I think the performance spoke for itself, hopefully, you know. Um, and so that left me feeling really good, you know, stoked on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, and yeah, stellar performance, by the way. And it was memorable, mm-hmm. and obviously I'm biased, you know, rooting for you. It was memorable in, in so many situations when, you know, the surfing did the talking and maybe sometimes waves didn't come or whatever. But yeah, I think I think that's really interesting to to almost have a strategy that is not you against the tour. It's almost you against yourself. 100%. And there's a tour is there to set as a benchmark to see how well you've done because you need to sort of try and attain or reach towards something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. I mean, yeah. I, we started the year together off in January before you guys went on tour, and I know your body was, you know, you yeah. had some things going on at that time. But <laughs> yeah. Wow, so interesting. So just working on the body and the boards and breaking it down like that. Yeah, and it was it was a long year. I mean, even to take that project on, you know, for anyone <laughs> listening who doesn't know, Donnie came with me, Dana Tanner, and Mikey February down to uh, mm. down to South Africa to do with the board drive and deliver all the boards that were raised and uh, into Cape Town where Donnie grew up. And I'm sure people probably know, but it is yeah, you know, it was a really special yeah. trip for us. It was one of our favorite trips of our whole life, and to have you there and you know basically helping guide the uh experience was just amazing and i think yeah it was it was a lot to take on right before going to snapper because you know it was like my emotions and my headspace was so connected to every day and kid and everything you saw in that whole trip you know and, yes um but it really felt like that to me was a really empowering trip to take forward to the tour because um kind of in its own realm uh, of intentions for the beginning of the year i wanted to bring to the tour tangibility, you know, or a little bit less maybe elitism, I would say, or I don't know if that's a, the correct word, but, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the tour is looked at as these rock stars or superstars or, you know, surf stars that are intangible. You know, I, I kept thinking that the coolest thing to me as a kid was when a pro that I look up to would come down to me and go, dude, that was a sick turn, or you know, whatever, like, you know, I'm psyched to see surfing, keep pushing, and it would stick with me all the way through, you know, there was definitely different characters, even in San Clemente, that, like, Chris Ward is a great example, and he always took us under his wing, and was, like, super, like, kind, and, and knew our names, and was cheering for us, and whatever, and to this day, that still empowers me to want to go and surf and get stoked, so, you know, this project with, with yourself and with Mikey Febs was uh, a big part of that inspiration to be on tour, and just trying to engage anyone that, 
you would see at any of the events, any of the beaches and, and whatnot, and super fun. I mean, that was that was a punk way, punk rock way to start the year off. You know, it was cool. really cool. So yeah, that was an impactful trip on so many levels, and it it is it rings true. You listening to listening to you say that, and then also seeing both yourselves and your brothers and even Mikey yeah. portraying mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's his spirit within any street or beach in South Africa, you know. Yeah. He is the South African yeah. rock star. He is, you know. <laughs> in terms of what he's done with surfing, but he just doesn't wear that badge at all. No, he's and so humble. It, it, and isn't that great? But, I mean, let's be honest. You are one of the best surfers in the world, and you worked hard to get to that. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't count for nothing. Yeah. But you're sitting here, you're not on tour this year. I had a really interesting conversation with your dad just a couple of nights ago, and he was saying, and I don't want to lead you or put words in your mouth, but he was saying how you've all decided that you're not going to use a tour ranking to justify your self-identity. Yeah. How do you unpack that? I mean, that's a very <laughs> mature yeah. way to think of it. For sure. <laughs> and I think you do, but I see you walk it. Mm-hmm. How do you go about doing that? That's that's huge for anybody. Um, you know, that, that thought process has developed over a long period of time. You know, I think... How long? Gosh, well, we started doing the QS when we were 19. So always through surfing and competitive. Yeah, through competitive. I think that, like, the QS, the qualifying series, is a crazy teacher. And even, you know, it's kind of, I guess, long-winded, but, you know... We got time. Yeah, we we got time. We're stoned. It is interesting because, you know, getting onto the qualifying series for... For the three of us at that time, it was Dane, Tanner, and I, uh, with Dylan Graves and Brian Todd and Austin Ware and Nate Yamans and this whole American squad, you know, that was and Puerto Rican as well. Um, engaging this experience was like there wasn't really another option. It was like, yeah, we're going on tour. We're you know good enough to make a couple of heats. You can afford a ticket. You're gonna go, you know, sleep in a car or have you know a bunch of people split and rent on a place, and you're just literally gonna try your best. And just go for it. And if you win, killer. If you lose, there's sick parties and it's all your friends. So you were really stoked to do it, you know. And the old school QS style was was very much a camaraderie center, I would say. Um, and a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, probably the most fun that we've ever had was those years traveling as a big, you know, group of friends on, on tour. And I think as you progress into it, you know, you get, it's all stepping stones. You start to realize, oh gosh, okay, I I won my first event at, I think, 20 years old, and, you know, it, it broke the ceiling for me, because I was like, wow, okay. Right. Where were you? It was in France, uh, and it's called Les Bretignols, which was in the north of France. Some random, you know, four or five star event, and, uh, you know, I was just so passionate about surfing that we showed up to this place, and it was like, first time in Europe, and I'm with Dane, my brother Dane, and Gabe Kling, and a couple guys from the East Coast, and... We're just going, damn, this is so cool. We're like, look, we're in France. Like, how are we here right now? It's sick. And um, so it became one of those things. Like, it was like, I don't think for us, at least, we didn't have a feeling of entitlement to being the best or even ever having, like, maybe, um, you know, big shoes that we were trying to fill. It was more like we showed up and we're, like, enjoying every opportunity because we didn't know if that would last or we're not expecting that um, to be there, you know, before or after. So... It was fun. It kind of taught us over a long period of time that we just wanted to keep pushing ourselves uh, between the three of us and, and the group that we travel with and really just focus on performance. You know, it comes back to that. Like, are you surfing better? Are you learning in your heats? Are you making improvements uh, towards your goal? And for 
myself, the, the first year I came on tour, I almost qualified at like 19 or 20 years old. I was about three or four positions out and it kind of blew my own mind because I was like, whoa, dude, that was killer. Um, I almost did it. And then, you know, to come off of that was an incredible mental challenge because you expect to have that same run the next event or next season. And, uh, and I didn't. And I actually got injured that season because I was thinking about it and I was stressed and I fell way down, you know, to the 50s or 60s in the rankings. And, you know, it was a, there was a series of years where it was like, for me and Tanner especially, you know, we were getting closer and closer to our goal, which was to be on tour. That was the dream, you know. And, um, then following, I don't know, it was probably a couple years after, I ended up finishing second on the QS. And Tanner, uh, I think Tanner finished maybe like 13th. And Nate Yeomans finished 8th. So we actually all qualified the same year. And uh, it was like the most incredible year for all of us, you know. And, and uh, Nate Yeomans and Tanner and also Greg Long won Eddie. So San Clemente had a, a really powerful one month. Yeah, we all came home. We partied for like a full month. So it was super fun. <laughs> Everyone was psyched. But, you know, then it entered into the dojo of the CT, which is really like an even more compressed, um, it's even more compressed pressure. You know, I think everyone's scrutinizing, scrutinizing every little motion and detail and moves and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, it really just taught you perspective. You know, I think that winning and losing teaches you to have perspective uh, because you have to continuously look in the mirror and reflect and say, okay, like, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Let's move forward, you know? You know, and I think back to your original question, you know, how do you not define yourself by the tour rankings? I think that came where we were feeling like losers because we never won or never were, like, in high-ranking positions, right? And if you lose consistently enough, your mental space can change quickly to a negative kind of, I guess, vortex maybe, and um, probably some of the darkest, hardest mental spaces to be in is on the bottom fighting upward, you know, and we've all had to experience it, and everyone does in their own way, you know, it's not limited to just competitive surfing, but in life itself, it's actually a great, you know, I think teacher or reflection of, of life, and so it's cool, it was definitely like, each of us individually had to learn that, that kind of perspective, and as well, I think, um, as a team, everyone was able to kind of like bring each other up when they were down. And, and yeah, I think as you get older, you guys, as for myself, as a competitive surfer, the tour isn't everything, but it sure is a great platform, you know, and, and that's where you get to showcase your best surfing and under pressure with the most eyeballs on you. And it's, it's a heck of a lot of fun, you know? So I think that's a long winded story of how <laughs> that conversation with my dad probably, you know, I think he sees it in us that definitely, um, we just love performing. We love surfing. You know, it's a lifestyle as much as anything, and if not more so. So, uh-huh. yeah, you wear it well. That's great. Yeah, super fun. Do you, do you think you did? I mean, you say like a great showcase to show your best surfing. Do you think you've done some of your best surfing on tour? Um, I think so. I think definitely. Like, for me, Bells this year was, like, oh. easily the pinnacle for myself in terms of, like, performance. And, you know, those are the moments that you really cherish and you really work towards, which is that really, you know, I've, you've heard it called the white moment of surfing, like, or your white moment, you know, where you're, you're not thinking, everything's flowing, it's happening, it's, like, slow motion, you know. And it's, like, even now you watch back and you see it as, like, a like a movie, you know. I'm like, well, I'm going surfing, it's been fanning twice and have these great heats and, like, all this stuff, 
it's just what you work towards to have those moments. And um, so I think, yeah, I think I did have a lot of great performances this year that I was proud of. Um, and then there was obviously some that I was more frustrated by because I felt like um, they didn't go my way or I didn't have the opportunity to shine where I wanted to, you know. But as is life, you just keep on rocking. And it was mm-hmm. unfortunate that those events didn't work out. But I think, uh, yeah, on the whole, I, I look back and feel like it gave everything I had for sure on that. Yeah. But sometimes funny when you watch a contest or watch somebody performing and it's, I wouldn't say it's often, but every now and again you'll see somebody that loses surfing well. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's got to feel better than losing, making mistakes, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's really up to the ocean sometimes, but yeah. I mean, talk us through some of those moments. Yeah, it's, for myself, I've always wanted to pride myself on if you lost surfing great, someone had to beat you you had to bring the best as someone else to beat you you know and mm-hmm. that was a great way to look at those situations because I had a year where I felt like you know the year I don't know, it was a while ago but that I ended up falling off tour was I think I had all these 17 and 18 and 19 point heats like crazy heats in terms of points but I lost you know and I was like it was just really hard to swallow because I'm like man how crazy is that? Like, you know, you could won any heat in any round for a long, <laughs> pretty much the whole event, and yet here in round two, I would lose to someone who just had a better heat, or, you know, I kind of looked at it as I brought the best out of them, and I think that was uh, was really cool and, and rewarding, and it, in the scale of the whole season and the whole surfing career and the whole surfing life, that if you have consistently good performances and consistently good things happen, you know, and I think that's kind of what it comes back to, you know. How much, that's beautiful by the way, um, how much of your competitive mindset, training, body, mentality, focus, are you aware that you're bringing into your everyday life? I mean, it cannot be divided, it's all interrelated. Yeah, no, it's interrelated. So it, it obviously yeah. is a somewhat of a, a silly question, but I mean as a surfer being so present and having such an intent with your mind clearly it's made an impact on the rest of your decisions yeah. you're making can you talk to that yeah it's um that's what you know I, I guess I kind of always am utilizing uh, competitive surfing to kind of relate it to real life experiences uh, I think for a lot of people and myself included like I'm, I'm a surfer at heart period like I don't the competitive thing is, is just a fun game to me. Like, I really love it. brings the best out of me. And um, some people have trouble. Like, they go, I don't like watching contests, and that's not very pure surfing, and et cetera. And I go, okay, I yeah, know I get that. But the lessons that, for me, I've been able to learn from those events have been huge because, for me, my mind is, you know, very eccentric, like very high energy, you know, quick. Um, yeah, I just have a lot of thoughts, and I get really stoked on following through different ideas and uh, I think Hans for me has really brought in more of a centered energy where for me to perform at my best I have to really be in a, a good space I think a good headspace. Um, and I think in life having your different goals it's in, it's so interesting like when you have a season of events how do you approach 20 events or 15 events in a year and be able to perform at a high level in each an individual event and how do you rise throughout a season you know, when you look at your life, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, you got to do the work today so that you can have a good day tomorrow. And that, you know, kind of correlates to great weeks ahead and great years ahead. And I think, uh, yeah, learning those kind of lessons and putting them into real life time, it, it 
has created a good work ethic for me and, and Dana Tanner as well, and um, also an appreciation because with hard work, I think you get a lot of gratitude for the opportunities you get to have, you know. So mm. it's um yeah, it's kind of a full circle thing that I mean, just keep learning, I guess. And it's same as Connors. I'm still learning. You know, this year I learned more than ever before, and hugely as part to Tommy Witts, Tommy Whitaker, who was I brought on as a a mentor and a coach for the season and you know again looking to people who know more than than I do to learn and that's that's a huge part of of life and you surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and have wisdom and have the patience to hear what they have to say and you'll probably learn a lot more than you think you know <laughs> yeah just being consistently being teachable I mean yeah. to be 100% honest that's really the impetus of this whole podcast you know I'm learning yeah. so much about more than rockers and rail but just yeah. working with surfers and it's about people and I think that's really really fascinating that you you know having a teachable spirit can just take you much so much further I've, I've heard you mention this and I've never really heard it so well defined but would you consider competitive surfing and surfing two separate things mm. I know you I mean you say you're a surfer and you love yeah. competitive surfing and obviously you're within a heat that's parameters yeah. but would you disassociate them? No, I don't think so. But I mean, I guess I'm I'm conscious to try and maintain what I consider to be maybe not core surfing, but it's still the lineage of of what I was brought up celebrating. You know, I think the Asterix videos is a great example. Like the Wave Warriors films on VHS. Like we grew up watching all these sick VHSs. Our dad being a sales rep for Locomotion exposed us to a lot of, you know, the Hawaiian culture and the Aloha and, and, and their whole uh, experience there. And I think as surfing has gone into a direction that's very more sport-like and athletic, um, yeah, no, we just always are celebrating the, the heritage of surf, um, kind of in everything we do, I guess. But I wouldn't say they're, they're definitely not two separate things, but I think when I look at them, like, I will probably not be a competitive surfer my entire life. But I'll be a learning surfer in, in the ocean for sure <laughs> until I'm 95 years old. Yeah, standing up on a pedal board. Yeah, right. So you're fascinated. So I kind of look at them as yeah, they are a little bit, but you know, it's kind of like I don't know. I, I talk about with my wife on lay, and you know, we we just celebrate the fact that it's it's a game. So it's like if you can be your best in the game, it's like going to a football game really, or to anything that. It's your chance to perform under pressure and, and shine. And at the end of the day, I'm still going to go surfing. You know, I'll lose my heat and I'll go down the beach and I'll just go surf because I'm so psyched the waves are fun. You know, it's not um, like a defining thing where I'm like, I'm a loser, it sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, I guess that, if that answers it. But yeah, I mean, how would you define them? Would you say that they're individual of each other? Or I, 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 yeah, I'm confused. That's why I asked the question because I've never heard somebody separate them but I guess the reason for wanting to know that is I watched Tommy coach you Tommy mm-hmm. Rickard, and his insight for you and then the next heat was Jack Freestone was entirely different information yeah clearly obvious yeah but his ability to transcend the moment and have a foresight and a wealth of knowledge was obvious but I guess my question was could he see what surfing is and what you need to do as different things and is that how you get that information you know yeah. do you know what I'm saying because clearly it's a job and there's a lot on the line but yeah I, maybe the better question to um, 
to start it would be where do you think surfing is going you know yeah growing up from the things that you respect and on, want to honor and get back to maybe at some point yeah not that you've walked away from them but no i mean where, where do you think surfing's going I, don't, I think it's going in a great direction no matter yeah. which direction it goes but what are your thoughts it's it's exciting i mean it's kind of like in a way i feel like we're we're kind of along for the ride you know like i feel like like someone like kelly slater is a great um you know, leader in terms of where it is going and where it can go. Um, and as well, you know, it's been really fun. Nate Fletcher is one of our huge mentors growing up underneath those guys in San Clemente and also with uh, Vans. It's been just a really an honor to be around him and, you know, what he values and what he looks up to. And even today that he's pushing his surfing as hard as Kelly Slater is. You know, like Nate Fletcher is trying bigger and better errors and trying to get bigger and better barrels for himself because he just loves pushing the envelope to see what he's capable of doing. So, you know, I think it, it is really an exciting time. Um, I It's been interesting being inside the, the circle of, of the WSL and, you know, those that group of people that are running that, they're trying their hardest to create um, a new future for surfing. And I really respect that. I think that, uh, yeah, they've, they've done an incredible job to uplift, I think, like the the production value was, I think, the biggest thing I saw coming back on tour was people could see an incredible experience. When you tune into an event or you tune in online, you're able to literally be in over my shoulder watching preparation all the way into a performing art, you know, and I think, um, yeah, I was just really impressed with, with that, you know, the infrastructure they've created. And at the same time, I think they're pushing towards Olympics, which I think is, you know, with the wave pool and with Tokyo 2020, it's a huge conversation everyone's really excited about that and I think that that definitely pushes it into a realm of more of a sport I mean a hundred percent sport it's incredibly demanding physical activity and um, yeah I think it's really exciting and I am totally backing it to celebrate the fact that surfing is a sport and equally I'm celebrating the fact that it's a lifestyle and I think uh, as it turns into an Olympic thing I'm always curious to see okay like what is the counterculture of surfing still going to exist? Is it still going to flourish? And, you know, will you be at San Onofre on a longboard and be celebrating that as much as someone in a wave pool doing rodeos and, and whatnot in front of, you know, a huge audience? And I think in that sense, it's really exciting. There's a lot more facets that are coming to light and I feel pretty fortunate that we're able to be a part of all of them, really. And that's like pretty special. And, but that's not know. fair because that's because you're at the top looking down, you can yeah, you can ride a longboard at Santa if you want. <laughs> you can do it. a radio. <laughs> yeah, not many people can, and so I appreciate your view, but it's also it's um yeah, it's a little bit it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a little more elite. And, yeah, and, for sure. and that's exactly what it should be. Yeah, let me ask you, what other sport would you see yourself doing if you weren't introduced or groomed as a surfer? Because if it is a sport, and that mindset and the mentality and the yeah non-team aspect of it I mean that's fascinating to me yeah this is interesting because it's I'm not going to pin you on it but you know when your mind goes to like embracing that competitive fascination I mean I guess it the way I am if if my heart's in it I'm going to go for it so I feel like it just would have to depend on like I did all sorts of sports growing up you know our parents are really um, supportive of that they're like hey like my mom's super athletic my dad's super athletic people and they're just like yeah like you, of course you're gonna do soccer and you're gonna do baseball and and we pretty much did everything like soccer 
Oh, I just said something. Soccer, baseball, volleyball, water polo, swim team. You know, they're all anything to get out and be active and, and be engaged in community. You know, I think that was a big part of it. All the friends we made from then, we still have. And I think that you learn valuable lessons through that, you know. And um, Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I always think it would have been super fun to play basketball or or maybe football even. Like, I'm a fast runner. Like, I love just bolting and taking off and I don't know what that would have equated to I'm probably too short for either of those sports but it would be so sick to be in a sport like that where you just get the you know 200 yards you just go as fast as you can and someone you know I don't know tries to catch you <laughs> would be kind of sick but yeah I don't know I I may not have been in sports other than just for the passion of being you know physical and getting out and doing stuff but I guess it comes back to like trying to understand the difference between athleticism and being in love with the ocean and having yeah. a way to be able to romance and engage. And maybe those <laughs> core fundamental things that surfing was birthed out of were more, I wouldn't say they were less performance orientated because uh-huh. people were definitely pushing yeah. the limits, but you know, the, the royal essence of having a romance with the sea and unlocking a dance on whatever craft yeah. it is is still beautiful and obviously has captured our imagination. Yeah. 100%. But I look at the future of surfing and I'm wondering if it's going to become more and more... Will um, people lose that? Athlete. I don't think that'll ever be lost. I mean, yeah. it's... it's, it's I don't think can lose it, right? I mean, which, even, is great, which is great. Yeah. I, I'm 100% behind that, but it's just interesting that it's becoming more athletic-driven. Now, I'm yeah. not against that, but the question then comes back to the coaching and the input and yeah, 100%. setting intentions for your surfing. I have learned more about surfing even in the last three months being injured Mm-hmm. And now slowly getting back into the water with addressing fundamental basic errors and principles in terms of yeah. actually how to hold your hand or your toes on the deck of a craft. Yeah. I mean, this basic stuff that was never taught. Mm-hmm. So my loss, but can always be learned. Oh, yeah. And always. yeah, I think when you talk about bringing your best, surfing your best, what are the last three things you worked on in your surfing? The last three things, well, one thing for sure this year, a huge thing for me was, was my bottom turn. And it's funny because it seems so elementary and it's something that you do. The first thing you do is a bottom turn. You know, when you learn to serve, you stand up, you probably lean forward a little bit and you create energy forward and it's basically an elongated bottom turn. And, um, you know, for me, I didn't, it was cool. It was just, like I said before, working with Tom Whitaker was, I really was interested to expand my knowledge and improve. And, and I said, like, came in with a beginner's mind. I said, Tom, what do you think? You know, like, would you take me on first off? And, you know, thankfully he, he was totally stoked. And he's like, yeah, I think there's a lot of cool things. He's watched us for years on the QS and CT. Um, we used to compete actually against Tom when we were on tour and had a lot of really fun battles with him. And um, he loves competitive surfing. I mean, he, he lives and breathes it and. uh, Actually, his brother is—he's one of the coaches of one of the head rugby or footy teams in Australia. Um, I'm not exactly sure which one because I don't follow it, but uh, but he's super passionate. Their family is just incredible, and um, so it was cool. You know, I really saw him take me on as uh, like a creative energy. You know, where he he saw a lot of room for improvement uh, in terms of the contest, and and as well just in the way that I surf because I think. I look up to people all the time. And that's, I think, what you were saying before, that you're, you know, you're learning stuff now, like little technique things, but 
like for us as kids, we just watched surf videos. And that was like how we learned techniques or, or styles or anything. We were just trying to emulate Tom Curran or AI or Shane Gushin or whoever it would be. And so I think at the certain level when you get to the CT, there's such little minute details that differentiate John John from from last place. You know, like everyone is interchangeable in a sense. Everyone surfs really great. Um, so, you know, that was one thing the bottom turn that he instantly, he even just texted me. He goes, I was at Bell's uh, before anyone was down there. I was there for like a week and a half. And, and I was down there. It was like 10 foot stormy and chunky and freezing cold. And, and he goes, hey, just, I want you just to work on your bottom turn. Just hold it as long as you can. Like, don't do two or three bottom turns. Just literally anchor off the bottom as long as you can. And so then I had one of the local boys down there. We were wrapping out. I'm like, can we just video a couple ways? And. Um, and I went out and just literally tried to hold my bottom turn as long as I could. And then we came in and he sent me the clips and I sent them to Tom. And it was like, it was night and day difference to what I had been doing because it looked like Tom Curran. And I was like, it was like a big snowboarding carve off the bottom. And you just see the whole board on rail all the way. And it changed my whole line as a surfer. Um, and it was crazy. I wasn't even aware that I was doing multiple bottom turns before. It was just out of enthusiasm to crack the fucking lip. Like, I was so pumped at his hammer lips. I was in my turn going, ha, 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 and I just go, Posh! And so he was laughing. He goes, yeah, I just noticed you were doing that. And, you know, that one little improvement kind of, to me, was like the biggest thing all year in my surfing. I felt so, like I was freaking to go to J-Bay or anywhere, anywhere that had a huge wall. I'm like, dude, I'm going to sit on the bottom of this thing. He goes, whoo, and I would come in from heats even. And, like, you know, I'd have sick turns. I'd get big scores. And I was like, do you see that bottom turn down? I was sick on it. That thing was mental. I was sick. And it was, you know, it was opening up a whole new world of um, creativity for me. And so that's, I think, the most fun for me is when I'm, when I'm having fun is when I'm creative in, in the ocean. And so, yeah, that was a big improvement this year, I thought. Oh, that was long-winded, but no, I was no. obviously very passionate about it. I, I <laughs> You know, I, when I unlocked the keys of the kingdom, I'm like, what? This is dope here. I'm loving this. So, so would you have said... You had a bad bottom turn, or it was just there was a few percent you could have worked on because I I could tell the difference too yeah. watching that gold <laughs> footage, obviously. But um, yeah, it's it's almost you look back sometimes when you learn something and you like feel robbed that you hadn't learned that earlier. Yeah, and that's just part of life. Though. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it. Almost gave me so much passion in my surfing because I was like, it was so fresh and new, and it was. Just something in that technique, I think it opened up way more power and way more speed and all this creativity off the top because of what I set in the bottom turn. And so when you take off on a wave now, are you thinking bottom turn first or only and then what comes? Or how do you, in your mind, listen to tr like trigger words or yeah. anchors to hold on to? How do you break it down when you're taking off on a six-foot right-hander? Well, I think that... Before, I just didn't, I mean, I was just like, oh my God, this lip's coming on, I'm going to destroy this thing. That was all I cared about. And I really had no uh, consciousness of anything technique-wise at, at this point in, the, in my surfing. You know, like, as a kid growing up, you're you're more conscious, like, trying to keep an arm somewhere because AI did that, you know, or because Tom Kern touches the wave face as he's bomb turning. You know, you kind of, you try and replicate those little motions to be like those guys. And, and um yeah, so that was kind of like, it took me like a week and a half with Tom, or actually probably the whole event down there, to just be aware of it and just go and hold my bottom turn. You know, I'd stand up and I knew that was what I wanted to do. And then after that, I was just like, let it rip. And uh, now I don't think about it at all. And 
it's just habitual things. I think when you do them consistently, then they become habits. You know, so hopefully good habits. <laughs> well, yeah, you keep the ones that work. Yeah, it's um, that's really fascinating when we when you're talking about your boards from Channel Islands and the Mike Andrews been working on just you took the subtle tweaks in your approach and I wouldn't say it made the boards better but it unlocked what the boards were supposed yeah, to be doing and that's what I'm, I'm constantly wrestling with and sitting here in my shaving bay and it's like it, it really matters nothing unless you're going to apply some sound technique to yeah. actually unlock what, a what you're trying to achieve what it? the board's supposed to be doing and I, yeah. I feel you know this, this conversation and the ones that we're going to have throughout the year is it's less about the actual design and more about the intent for mm-hmm. that performance or a sensation that you're looking for. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, yeah, that's bringing it down and just holding longer lines. Yeah. Letting the board do the work. And that maybe sometimes is frustrating when you're not sitting on a decent canvas with good waves in front of you, yeah. but those days will come. Well, and also sometimes the best canvases that teach you the most or that we learn the most from are the, the shitty ones. You know, yeah. like we always said if you could surf Dane's the best at you know that he goes if you can form out or you can like rip a one foot wave you're gonna rip a six foot wave <laughs> you know because you have to be the the little button that you have to be on to perform surf great or have speed and carry speed through turns and areas is so minute yeah the on, targets are so precise. so small and I think that's why you see in San Clemente everyone comes from T Street or the pier which are both pretty average waves if not worse. And they can take it on to the big tour canvas and, and look at Slater from Florida and look at, you know, some of my favorite servers to watch are the guys like Eric Eisenman. You know, he's phenomenal in zero to one foot waves. And when you see him at Supol's six feet, his creativity is through the roof because he's like, whoa, I got all this speed. and um, Yeah, it's just insane to watch, you know, so I don't know. But I think it comes back to serving, let's call them mediocre or... Um less than ideal waves with intent you know it's it's fine to surf a one foot wave the best you can but you need to surf a one foot wave the best that it can be surfed mm-hmm. which means there's yeah. a certain line there's a certain I hate bringing style into it but it, I think it unlocks the intent really well so yeah. it's like there's a certain way to unpack how to get from here to there and I'm meaning from the top of the wave when you're laying down to mm-hmm. the bottom of the wave when you're now coming back up to the yeah. top of the wave which isn't very far mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I think, just having having a plan, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then letting it rip. And that's kind of been, at least in terms of the contest, a big component is, like, you know, you prepare and you do things going into it to, to have a plan. And then you just got to let it rip, you know. And that's um, that's a big deal. I think when I go surfing lowers or T-Street or J-Bay, I, when I'm taking off on the wave, it's just, it's pure experience, you know. It's pure interaction with that wave and... I think you develop habits over time, and I think that that's part of that idea. Like this year, you know, I have things I really want to work on in my surfing because I want to have more fun. You know, like I'm looking at right now the backside Air 360. For some reason, it has eluded me my entire surfing life. Like it's so hard to do, and I've been really asking guys who do them. I say, well, what's the key? Like, what do you like to try, and what do you do? And you know, like John, John, his brother Nathan Florence. Nathan and me are both trying it. Wyatt McHale, another kid from Hawaii. We're the backside Air 360 club, which is that we haven't stuck them, but we really want to stick them. And they're like, it's like a skate park. You know, you just try the trick as many times as you can. You start unlocking these little details that all of a sudden you're like, 
damn, that feels so good to do a Felipe backside three. I mean, that would be a huge thing if I could do one of those. I'd be so pumped. And so, you know, it's finding little improvements or little, like, game plans for the year where I'm like, okay, I want to do that, and, like, how am I going to start doing that? Well, I'm going to start by asking people who know how to do them consistently. You know, like, Brandon Mia or uh, Mitch Colburn was the guy I asked. And, and, you know, everyone has their own little subtle nuances of a trick. And, like, oh, okay, tuck your knee and look at your tail pad and stay upright and, you know, start in the middle of the wave face. Little details that you wouldn't, to the naked eye, watch and go, oh, that makes sense, but... Once you unlock those tricks and you're looking at a wave in a totally new light, you know, you might look at a, a close out left with two pump space and go, oh, I can do a full rotation of flats. That sounds so fun. That <laughs> sounds so fun. So, I mean, like you said, even on a smaller scale, it might just be creating speed or just finishing a wave, like start to finish a T-shirt, which is a huge challenge, you know. And then the most fun you can have is when you're just treading all the way to the beach, you know. So, I don't know. It's super fun. Have you found when you speaking to, to guys like that about a, I wouldn't call it intellectual property, but there's a lot of time going into figuring out a maneuver like mm-hmm. that. Have people been pretty um, open to share? Yeah, I think so. And it, I think because, well, for one, it's just a tight community. So, I don't think, like, you know, it's it's a brotherhood for sure. So, most, most everyone you're asking, you're not, like, asking... Maybe you're like arch nemesis, like <laughs> how do I do that move? But um, yeah, everyone's really open with it, and I think because mostly you can watch the videos now, and Instagram is even the sickest teacher ever. You know, like you can scroll through your five favorite guys and see a move that you want to start doing, and literally be looking at it every day, every you know repetition of, of visualization of it. Um, but everyone's been really cordial with it, and and likewise, you know, a lot of people ask me about the rodeo. Like, people come out and go, dude, how do you do that? And I go, oh, I've been trying it for 10 years. Like, when I was a kid, I tried it religiously from, like, 14 years old to till I started sticking them in contests, you know? And, like, uh, that was because I saw Aaron Cormican doing at lowers, which is my favorite wave in the world growing up surfing, and I saw him do it, and I just go, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I have to figure that out. And Slater as well, you know, he did his at Pipe. You know, those two dictated kind of my whole future of how I looked at those moves, you know, and, and I think, yeah, it takes a long time to figure them out. Now kids have wave pulls, so they can figure them out pretty quickly, but I think it's just fun. It's like skating a skate park, you know, pretty much. I mean, I've found that, yeah, you you got to ask the right person, but I, I've found that any time I've asked somebody about how to do something well in terms of surfing, or better, or at least just how to begin it, I've never been turned down. Yeah. Yeah, no one's like, I'm not telling you. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's fascinating that that's not within the culture. Yeah. Why do you think it's not within the culture? I don't know. But it's so interesting. You mean it's not within the culture to ask questions? Yeah. Like, that is not, I mean, you don't, that's not the most of our conversations. It's like, wait, how are you doing that? Break that down for me. Now, watching competitive surfing with coaches to me is amazing mostly because of the the, the mental fortitude that yeah. you need to, you know like yeah. that is so so yeah and getting into that flow state and there's obviously things going on and yeah I'm not working on my backside yeah <laughs> this year, which is fine but there's certain things that I'm working on but I had to become so desperate for information that I went out of the, the box to ask yeah now I'm not saying nobody's asked questions before but yeah isn't that strange that within surfing, the questions of 
how to unlock this and then have more fun. Yeah, and that's that's what it's all about, right? Exactly. Because exactly. if you're having more fun, then and that's why I think it's not when I say performing or performance, it's really about having the maximum fun. Like to me, when I go surf lowers, when I'm because I'm a creative person as you are, like I just want to be creative and have a canvas to paint my performing art on. And I think that's you really when you have more maneuvers or different styles or different boards is a huge part of that component where you you really then unlock all these new facets of fun. It's like a language, you know, and I think that's, I mean, I'm learning French right now as, you know, that's opened up a whole new world of people because I'm speaking with people and understanding their culture through a language. And it's the same thing with surfing. You know, I think that you're able to create different dialect with different maneuvers and, and it's an expressive art. So it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I definitely, impacting that fun is number one that's always you know the purpose of well that's the thing that's even you're like uncoding a bottom turn and you're like oh now i can just go bangers on the thing that's true and and that's that's great but yeah i i really yeah i I kind of i'm I'm looking at these conversations and and thinking you know there's somebody out there listening about who knows where they're at in their surfing and it might not be competitive at all yeah 100 percent. but unlocking what is that next thing and it comes back to the intent like what are you working on what are you trying to do yeah. and setting intentions for yourself and they have uh, i i'm starting to believe that they have to be written down and you have to hold yeah. yourself accountable to somebody else for pulling them off because they're Tell not easy. <laughs> i mean we're going to sit down at the end of the year and we're going to yeah. review the clips of your backside threes and we're going to see if we nailed a couple because if you don't i mean it could take 10 years but hey high five at the end yeah but it's that journey along the way yeah and it's i think too it's relatable to life right because it's you know creating goals long term mid term short term that's our dad always is saying that you know it's like today is your short term and in a few years is your mid term and your long term's way out the back and you know you you want to have foresight for sure and in your surfing too cuz if you just want to have the most fun you can have, then it's rad you can have things to work towards maybe, you know? Um, asking yourself why, you know, why do I want to do a backside three? You know, that's a good question. It's a reflective, surfing is continuously reflective. You know, you're always going to be looking at yourself through your surfing, I think. At least I do, <laughs> you know, like, it's a... So let me ask you then if you, let's say your intention is to get your backside three done, are you expecting to learn other things along the way or is that the thing you're learning? I mean, obviously you're learning things all the time, but yeah. are you set on doing that to have a sense of accomplishment or because of the pot there that you know is going to end? I mean, it's having one more trick in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, it sounds a little shallow. Of course, it's totally. inspiring, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if, you, if it's what makes you stoked, you know, that's like... Got it. To me, it's just like when I'm surfing a wave, I just love having creativity on. I'm like, oh, shoot, I just want to try something new and fresh. So... I think it kind of goes more hand in hand with the journey of being creative, being not maybe, maybe it's not in your comfort zone, you know, like I'm looking at a wave in a different light or a different perspective and that gives me inspiration to go surfing, you know, I think not that I need too much inspiration, but it keeps me inspired about a day at, you know, two foot ocean side where I'm like, oh, I want to just try this move and that's, it's just like going to the skate park, you know, and once you hit it, I think you do feel a sense of accomplishment and then you open up a whole new canvas, you know? But, yeah, it's not like that's solving world problems doing a backside of three, but it definitely, uh, yeah, it definitely is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I push back against it because I, I don't know that we're supposed to be consistently solving the world's problems. I yeah. think being your best self 
is a huge responsibility that yeah. a lot of people aren't picking up. And for me, surfing is a huge lens through which to look at life, but mm -hmm. also a meter against to measure how I'm doing and also to balance what I'm doing. And so, you know, working on something like that helps the rest of your life. Yeah. And if you, like, I mean, you and your brothers and the Positive Vibe Warriors and the movement that you've mm -hmm. created is so impactful. And if it means staying stoked about surfing, doing backside loop-de-loops, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. That's sick. Because the emphasis oh, yeah. is, is for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. And it, it's not to make surfing more grandiose, but how can it not be life's grandiose and yeah. this is a lifestyle? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm just really trying to make sense of you know, coming in and you're trying to shape a board to make somebody happy. And that's yeah. an incredible responsibility and a great joy. But I still think the act of surfing, no matter what you're on, yeah is still so precious and the, the meaning it can bring to your life you know totally I guess that's why I was asking you what, what other sport you might do because it's such a strange activity to spend yeah. that much time working on something alone that really matters for nothing yeah until you start to unpack the things that it's, it's bringing into your yeah. life I think it brings happiness mm. like for sure you know yeah I don't know it seems so selfish but it's not it's not it's or it can um, be I guess it can be and yeah. in a lot of ways like the world tour is incredibly selfish you know like I think you have to be selfish to do well on the tour as a sport as a surfer on that tour you I don't think you talk to anyone on that tour that wouldn't agree somewhat you know that you you have to be dedicated and you have to sacrifice a lot and you have to do it for your own passion and your, your own heart but you know surfing as a whole I think I mean that's a, a big reason why with the positive warriors we've kind of fallen into this really cool stream of thought that's about the board drives you know and, and emerging surf communities and you know possibly kids from a difficult backdrop that could utilize surfing as a vehicle to a healthy lifestyle you know and that's that's way bigger than even the actual act of giving the surfboards because it's giving a kid a path to possibly experience what we get to experience on a daily basis. You know, I, I think surfing is, I mean, just think of if you didn't surf. I think that's even by more powerful. It's like if I didn't wake up and have surfing in my life, like what would I be doing? What would I be passionate about or, or inspired about? And for these kids in these communities, it's, it's really important, I think, to at least give them the opportunity to see that. And and hey, if no one likes it in that community, that's totally understandable too. And, and maybe it's not relative enough, or or you just like I don't particularly like doing something else. Like um, I don't know. Well, I love snowboarding, but say if I didn't like snowboarding, just because you give me a snowboard doesn't mean I have to go snowboard. But yeah, that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, and if and maybe I would fall in love with it, maybe I wouldn't. But for these kids, that's you know been the biggest part is giving them at least an opportunity to to a healthy lifestyle, and I think that to me is I think the full circle of why I started surfing to where I'll end up why I still love surfing at 95 years old is that feeling of freedom connecting to nature um, all those things you know it's yeah it's it's really powerful as you know you know literally I think if you didn't have surfing what how different would your life and persona be you know I think that's yeah well you start getting you feel pretty shallow when you get surfing taken away like yeah. coming off injury and I know you've been injured many times but Oh, yeah. That was the that was the first time in my life, and well, after after three and a half weeks, so that was pretty quick into it. Yeah, it was the longest I hadn't surfed since I began, what was it, twenty five years ago, or whatever yeah. it is. 
That's crazy. And that's a big part of your, yeah. just yourself. That's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. you just feel out of balance. But yeah, it's... Uh, and think of how many things you've in your life that you do that you have done that consistently for 25 years. Exactly. That's pretty crazy. And that's definitely like ourselves included. You know, you just but I think that's lifetime. important to pull yourself into something to once again bring balance to everything else. Yeah. I mean, I hear you saying you wanted to surf till you're 95, and as do I. I've projected I'm dying at 95. Well, that's just pretty good. good (laughs) I know I'm going down at 95. I don't know if I want to live forever, man. Yeah, Yeah, it's, but it's, it's to me, what's so unique about surfing is it's, you know, it's something that can stay relevant within whatever role you are in life or whatever stage you are in life. And those backside threes might come and go, but... That yeah. fascination for the ocean, and keep, I still keep coming back to, you know, it's not about the boards and the equipment and the, all these things, it's just about that, there's something about that flow and that, that mental state of being in the ocean and unlocking yeah. um, with what you're on, and I look at things through board design obviously way more <laughs> carefully just because that's my yeah. role, I guess, but it's, um, what have you found this year, like, what what's maybe some of the most... I wouldn't say I hate to call a board a vanilla board just mm-hmm. a very basic board but yeah. I mean I think being on tour are you looking for things that excite you and obviously now and again you'll put something like that in there or are you looking for something that can just get your job done and get it done well because mm. I think those are two different things yeah they're definitely two different things I think and both are important both are definitely important and you know, hard to build yeah because I, I want to tip the hat to that because that yeah incredible well. yes yeah and I mean I've gotten the chance to watch you know Mike Andrews and the challenge crew their interaction with the top servers in the world for since we were kids you know and amazing from Slater and Rob Machado and Taylor Knox and Tim Kern and Tom Kern all these guys all the way down to you know us as Groms to now the new generation of Groms and to watch those guys interpret the super high level feedback um, it's incredible I mean Mike Andrews the guy is just a hero because he can understand my gibberish and turn it into something that is exactly what I'm thinking but I just can't communicate because I'm not a shaper you know and I think uh, it, it really is a spectacular thing I think for me the I'm just pouring a cup of coffee I'm stoked I'm up the hydro flask yeah the hydros go they're hot for two days, which is nice. Um, yeah, for me this year on my boards, I guess the Fever is the model that, that me and Mike Andrews came up with, which is probably been in the works now three years, and it came out probably two years ago. And now board was out of a need, you know, for, for something that I was creatively wanting in my surfboards. What I was wanted, the need? I want speed, and I want control, and I want creativity in all sorts of ways. So, so that what was, was your reference? Where was your frustration? Because it might be different for somebody else. But yeah. what, what were you coming off before you made a change to land up at Fever? So Channel Islands at the time had many different boards uh, in their quiver, as they do. They have a, a lot of models. But there was, you know, one model would be more curved and, and great in a hollow wave, great in a barreling wave. One might be with straighter rails and, you know, have a little bit of a pulled-in tail, and those would be great maybe in um, in average condition waves or... I felt like for me, in terms of not so much the design, but the rides that I was experiencing was, I was either having a board that was super carvy, and I was like, every time I was doing it, it was really stiff and holding rails super well, um, but it wouldn't release. And I, I love doing carves and big errors in the same way. So um, 
that was the challenge. One board would be really loose and great for errors, but it wouldn't carve, and the other one would carve and not do big errors. So the fever kind of stemmed from that idea that I wanted to have an all-in-one surfboard that I could have, kind of how I view my surfing, I think, is like a bit of everything at all times, you know, and, and uh, that was really cool and exciting, and that's actually the board that put me on tour, um, which was sick, and then being on tour, you know, it was more about adjusting to the waves, because the waves are significantly more powerful, bigger, better, <laughs> a lot better, um, and so yeah, that was kind of like, like you're asking, is it, was it from a place of needing something, or to bring something out of a performance facet, and I think it was a bit of both, you know, like, I wanted to be feeling dependable on my board, um, and in fact, I ended up riding a very similar board the entire year because of that, so that when I was coming out the bottom, I didn't have to think, like, what's this board going to do? I just go, I know exactly what it's going to do, and I would adjust to the wave more than the board, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, it was cool. It was definitely, like, a lot of learning and just making little fine adjustments. It's like a Ferrari, you know, or like a NASCAR car. They're like, they're not rewriting the wheel on tour because in a lot of ways you're just looking for consistency to be able to say in 12 events you know you're not going to have one event that you're just like what was he riding <laughs> what was that funky you know didn't look good at all and but then you got to find inspiration so then you know that's kind of the balance on tour and do you bro bring boards into your routine and that's it's a silly question because you've already answered it like you were so busy and trying to stay on point yeah. and stay practiced but do you bring boards into your life or travel that keep you inspired? 100%. And I, ha I think this year, every event I went to, I had one fun board, as I was calling it, you know, like a creative, a either twin fin or a four fin or something that was just like to offset the, you know, the consistent um, focus, you know, like of performance surfing. So I had something that, hey, it looked shitty, and I wanted to go rip. I had a neck beard or a rocket wide or, you know, they have several different models that, kind of bring out that fun factor and I guess that's yeah I think those had to be in the quiver because yeah it was a balance you know a balance of, of both of those so it was super fun but I never run them in heats and that was the only thing yeah. kicking out on the year Dane and Tanner we talked about it and I was like I wish you know Mikey Febbs was riding a twin fin at um, Surf Ranch and it was arguably the most fun performance I saw the whole time and I was like damn I wish I had ridden a twin fin or wish Mikey Febbs had ridden a twin fin in its heat but you know there's so much expectation and pressure into those events and, and hard work you hate to think you're throwing it away for a fun session on a fun board but if I were back on tour I think I would be bringing those into more events personally just because they're different and they're fun and you know screw it why not so I mean I hear you I mean, halfway through the year, you're looking to try and requalify so you can do it all again. So, you know, maybe yeah, for sure. that, that's a little easier to say now. But It is easier I, on the back side, <laughs> for sure. I, I look at that and I'm like, watching the footage of Michael at Surf Ranch and the Twin Fin was inspirational. But yeah. the reason you can't, it might not be what you liked, but the reason you can't deny that it wasn't good was because the line he was drawing was very intentional mm -hmm. it might not be the line you want to draw but it took effort yeah. to draw it and it was in harmony with what was going on and to yeah. me when you start changing up designs if it messes up the surfing which is a personal you know, expression yeah. that's not okay there's a certain way that you can fit into the ocean yeah and now into a wave yeah. And that's what a board needs to do. If that does it better than anything, that's a good board. If it lets you 
express yourself mm. like you've said in a way that's accurate and dependable that's a great thought yeah but if it gets in a way and you you know you see people write something and just mm, just does it doesn't look right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, I, I don't want to say it's a bad board but that's yeah. not the goal mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I do feel like you know the judging thing is so tight and it's there's yeah. hardly any room to move and to write something different I, mm, I think that's, a, that's the biggest challenge of the term, it is it yeah. is different and it, it's it is a challenge but it's also it t- if it turns heads for the right reasons man that's really progressive and yeah i i don't know that the tour is really the place for that which is sad but yeah i mean look how much surfing's grown even in this year well um, look at since you know like dane reynolds is someone i look up to i think everyone looks up to you know and surfing and but he was him and slater i would say and Stuart kenny you know i, I gotta give props to him he came into the scene and rode, I think it's called the Sci-Fi, you know, one of the Slayer designs, and he pushed a visible different surfboard into the scene, in, in the tour scene, which is really challenging to do. And, um, you know, Reynolds, when he made the finals, I think, on a neckbeard at Lowers, and those, I think, to me, that's, like, the most respect uh, that you can give to, a, like, what those guys did. I think it's so monumental, and it, it's so... Uh, yeah, just game changing. I'm not sure the word I'm thinking, but um, yeah, it's just impressive. I think that they were so bold to do those to do that in that setting, and I think Dane is obviously so damn talented. Like he could he could do that, and then it changed the game for the judges because they had to they had to go. Whoa, that was something we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I, I've heard kind of that Dane has said something along the lines of that he likes riding different shapes of boards to let the surfing come to him from the design. You know, kind of like... Sure. He's always pushing... Like, if you watch his kind of track record, he'll go, you know, long and narrow, and then he goes super short and wide and stubby, and then he's got, you know, doughy rails, and all these... He changes a lot, you know, his design. Um, And so I think he likes to have always being pushed creatively to respond to a surfboard, you know, I feel like. And I think that's inspirational to me because... In the tour setting, I'm definitely looking at, like, I'm trying to find something that I feel comfortable surfing in those waves on, but I think he's even pushing the next round, which is, I want to get a reaction from a board, which kind of goes back to what he's saying, like, a board is meant to fit in a wave, or a style of wave, and I think guys like him, I think uh, Slater has pushed that as well, they've really said, well, I'm going to force this five foot two board out at 10 foot Haliba, you know, like, Slater's been on, I've seen him at epoxy like five sixes at like 20 foot cloud break, you know, like those type of things that are really going, they're challenging the system or challenging maybe the ocean to see if their equipment can withstand that or their surfing ability can withstand it because they're so talented, you know, and I think I draw a lot of inspiration on that in the future. Now, obviously having more open cameras to work with to just, you know, push yourself to react to your equipment, you know, and I think the stuff that you're shaping and a lot of the asymmetrical stuff, you know, the board that you shaped me, I think that, is already a really great step in that direction to just go, hey, I have no idea what this thing's going to feel like. Literally. Just, you know, see, I kind of have a general idea, like, I think it's going to do this and these conditions. And to push yourself into a realm where you're purely just having to react to it, it's pretty exciting, you know, and that can make a mundane session feel really special, you know, I think. Mm. I think, sorry to cut you off, I, I think at this point, though, we need, no, I don't want to draw lines in the sand, but let's mm-hmm. just, for argument's sake, say 
that, that's all good and well, but at the end of the day, it's got to come down to you need to grow your technique, you need to work on your surfing, and mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to unlock these boards, any board. Yeah. But, so let me say, whatever your intent for your surfing is, there needs to be one basic, consistent benchmark that you can change at times, but mm-hmm. decide it for now. So let's call your go-to board will be a fever yeah. for, for you know what it's going to do and you're going to perform and then you deviate from it for better lines or more inspiration. Yeah. Now that sounds so simple, and I've been writing this out and charting a course for yeah. myself and hoping to share it with others, but I think these conversations are to say, what are you trying to do? Where's your benchmark? What do you come back to? So that way, you know that if you get back onto your fever and you're all out of whack, it's like, okay, well, what do you fix? Straight away, it's technique driven. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And I don't know how to identify that in the best words, but I guess this conversation in this point will be, okay, go to your fever and then deviate from there, come back to the fever, so that when you come back, your reference is either inspired, different, better, yeah. but you have a, a reference from which you know you're still doing the right thing and mm-hmm. it feels good and the waves are working, you're getting points yeah. in your case. When I look at the designs and what people are doing and aren't doing on waves and the heads that are being turned, I'm not interested unless it's being turned for the right reason. It's like mm-hmm. it's got to be progressive, good surfing, the right part of the wave, the board's not sticking, mm-hmm. all those things. Yeah. A five-foot board on a 20-foot wave is the most obvious way to unlock a wave. Yeah. You cannot fit a 20-foot board into any size wave. Yeah. Now, that's mm-hmm. an extreme. But, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I'm probably going to take flack for this because I have for years, but I do still think the tiniest surfboard is the most progressive because it, it's almost mm-hmm. like a pixel. You can fit it into the picture. Yeah. Any, any. Give now that takes, I like what you said, testing their natural talent or ability. I've always had a fascination for tiny mm-hmm. board, but they can really mess up your surfing if you don't have a really good fundamental yeah. reference and benchmark. So that's yeah. why I want to I say, let's put a flag in the sand in terms of yeah. what's your go-to. Like, get on the sampler and that's your... That mm. board can work really. You can do good surfing on it. It's dependable. It's, yeah. it's you can ride small waves, big waves. It's 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 a good reference, and then deviate from that. Yeah. And I, I feel like that is one more thing that we're not talking about enough. At least I don't hear the conversations enough. Mm-hmm. What w- what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying. I think that like if you were to simplify those ideas, is what you're saying is like having, you know, if it's in terms of like maybe your everyday surfer who wants to improve, right? I think having a consistent board of any capacity, like would be, it would make sense. It's kind of like you're experimenting, right? You're kind of, you're going, okay, like if I'm going to surf T-Street every day, you know, I got to go to work at nine, I come home at five, I'm probably going to surf T-Street in the morning, I got an hour, and T-Street in the evening, I got an hour, maybe, if we're, if we're stoked on daylight savings. You know, having the same style board is going to probably be the easiest way to, to consistently improve. And I think that's, that's like in our case on tour, a lot of the case, like I don't change my fins up too much because I'm just trying to take one less element of change. You know, I'm trying to simplify it and go, okay, same fins, all the boards, then I can tell what the board's doing. And as you change the boards, then you change maybe the factor as a, as a everyday surfer to say, gosh, I was just getting the hang of that bottom trim, but now my board's, you know, an inch and a half wider. Oh, it changes the whole dynamic. Okay, that's more challenging to do that. So I think that's one 
track of thought, right? Like would be consistency would help you to improve. See how you got to set that though. You got to you got to chart that, mark that, and be aware of it. I like yeah, that. and yeah. having kind of awareness of that, and and I think then like as you get to a certain point, if you're looking to improve as an everyday surfer, I think that those alternative surfboards allow you to have a reaction from a surfboard. So you're learning a line that you didn't even know. Like for example, if you took a twin fin out, if you've been serving a thruster your whole life and you took a twin fin out, it would teach you so much in terms of the different line that you could potentially take on a thruster. Let me put you on the spot. What do you think it would take? I'm riding a fever, boom, 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 boom. So five, 10, 18, mm-hmm. a half, two and a yeah. quarter, blah, blah, blah. Put me on the twin fin, what am I gonna learn? Well, you're gonna learn management of speed. You're gonna learn uh, different rails because I think with the twin fin, to me, like, and I learned that from Tanner, was where he stands on his board on a twin fin. He's got his foot right between the two twins and even a little bit ahead of them, and it's like a skate. It's kind of like a carver skateboard, if you guys ever heard those. Um, they're really fun. But it's like that you're using a completely different rail to create energy and speed. So you're unlocking, I think, if you're on the fever, you'd be like, for me personally, off the tail, you know, up against my asterisk pad, using the whole tail, like I love the control of that tail. And I'm going front foot, back foot, front foot, back foot, which is speed and control. So if I looked at a twin fin, I would think I'd be standing more right off of the fins and up a little bit, and I'd be kind of hip driving it a little bit more like um, like being on a skateboard, like look at Honk or Five Summer Stories, um, not Honk, yeah. Five Summer Stories, you know where they're on those like retro skateboards and they're, they're using the entire length and their feet are close together and it's way more of a retro look. But then you start unlocking this whole rail that you're not using on the fever, more than likely, which would be like the middle portion of the board, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, I mean, that's a, at my level, I've, I've been able to experience those different boards and obviously think about it a lot, you know, and I think then if I was a normal surfer that was going to be on the fever and jump on a 20, you'd unlock a totally different way of accessing speed, you know, creativity, because the, the board is loose in some spots, the concaves lifting, you know, there's so many, those facets. Then when you step back onto a shortboard, I think you have immense um, creativity because you all of a sudden like, whoa, I didn't even think I could use that portion of the board or ride it differently. Example, if you see Tanner surfboards, um, because me and Tanner, we serve very differently in terms of, yes, we do. you know, how we... Like, it's actually ironic. I don't particularly love his boards, and he doesn't really like my boards. Like, no, should you, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just, like, in terms of your highest level performance, but where he stands even, like, if he has a no-pad board, his his footprints are completely higher up than any of my boards. So, like, you know, he's almost serving it like a twin fin, and he's even pushed himself to be in twin fins with a little trailer on his shortboards, which is completely abnormal, but he's unlocking this whole new facet of serving out of his board so um, yeah no, it's, it's so fun like we're always learning as I said in the beginning it's like we're always looking at it and seeing it from different angles and like oh, yeah. interesting kid I'll try that or I think Seabass might have even tried it Tanner you know was talking to him about it like try the bigger fins here and this thing and you know it's creativity super fun it, it is it is creative and that's it's it's fun to isolate those elements I like the fact that you always ride the same fins and then you'd be able to reference yeah. the differences in the boards and um, you know, I, I, I still want to keep throwing the ball back to people and it's like, what do you yeah. want to do? What are your intentions? And it's like, hey, you maybe have two or three surfboards sitting around. People come in and they'll ask me like, what do these fins do? And I'm always reticent to say, 
this is what a fin will do. You know, mm-hmm. once again, drawing lines in the sand, I, I, I'm like, you know what, that really is going to be your best use of your time yeah. to go, change the fins, ride three waves, come back, change them. Yeah. And because it's really about the sensations, you know, mm-hmm. moving your foot front to back is important to unlock what the board's designed to do. But yeah. learning how to do that is driven by sense oh that felt right made the section that's my question so it has to come back to intent for sensation right now which is a big part of it and that's like anyone who search you're you're constantly in a feedback state of feeling you know you're kind of like anything you do you're feeling something (laughs) you know like might feel good might feel bad you might not feel anything I don't know but um, yeah I think that sensation is and it's it's so much like you know, being in a chemistry class or something like it's, you want a constant and then you can change the other variables to like offset experience, you know? So I think if you have a constant, whether it's a board or a fin or even just tarp, because the ocean's always changing. So, you know, even if you surf the same location, it's really difficult to get a consistent feel because T-Street on the high tide versus the low tide is completely different. And that's probably why I think the wave ranch and the surf ranch that's changed a lot of the game for a lot of people because it was the first ever constant, relatively constant wave, you know, and that's maybe where the future of that design factor will go because then you'll have the exact same wave, the exact same server, able to get the exact same experience, and they can change a fin or a rail or something and really feel those differences, but I don't know if that's a good thing. It's kind of more fun having to juggle the whole ocean and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But. You know, it reminds me of a point though, and I look at people like you and professional surfers, or no, wrong word, proficient surfers, mm-hmm, yeah. who are able to unlock most any um, condition, mm-hmm. size, yeah. power, setup, and um, get the most out of surfing. And what happens is, is, is once you get to a certain point, it seems like you start uh, being able to walk away with a feeling of stoke or the memory or the wave or the barrel or the ride much more quickly. And so you're actually getting more out of it, putting less in. Mm-hmm. So there's a tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you felt or realized that, but if we went down to the beach in a, in a minute here, you could have a really fun experience within four waves. Yes, for sure. I'm not guaranteed that. But see... No, no, no. I think if you were just beginning, though, imagine your first waves. Yeah, your beginners. first four are all going to rock, right? I mean, like beginner's mind. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a good point. Beginner's mind, and then you. But once that frustration on that learning curve sets mm-hmm. in, and that's what I want to spend time on is like, yeah. where are you on your learning curve? Because mm-hmm. at one point you're going to get to a place where you, if you stick it out long enough, trying to unlock just the basic fundamentals, call them that. Yeah. After which, then the creativity sets in again. Yeah. Because that learning curve in the beginning, it's, it feels creative because it's fun. Yeah. Surfing's always going to be fun. But have you had those surfs where you feel frustrated? How quickly then can you reset? It's like, okay, yeah. wait, this is really, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing out here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm flapping about. And, and yeah. I look at that and and I'm almost thinking about even in a heat situation, when you get out there, you, you maybe just rattle. How do you center yourself or reset? Because I think on that learning curve, I've found you have to, I had a conversation with somebody once and they're like, man, I'm just having such a bad surf. I'm like, the mm-hmm. goal is how quickly can you reset and turn it into a good one? Mm-hmm. And it's really between the ears because the waves yeah. 
They're not really doing within, <laughs> you know, it's whatever it is. Mm. That's you're not in control of that. But could you speak to that? Like, how how are you resetting? Not only yeah. performance wise, but progression wise. Well, I think if I was going to say in terms of the curve, mm-hmm. I think that reflects a lot to what we've been talking about for sure. That like in the beginning, everything's awesome. It's exciting. You can't have a bad session because you're just in the ocean. First time, so you're like, oh my god, it's pretty sick. And as you go, yeah, you want to keep improving or you want to keep enjoying that sensation of fun, which sometimes comes from doing new things, right? Like, I think not being stagnant or stale. Um, and I think that's where at the, the level of the curve, maybe where I'm at, is why I'm still inspired about doing a Backside 360 Air. Because that, to me, is still an unknown or an exciting frontier. And I feel like by going towards that or unlocking that, it gives me a lot of fun, you know, in my surfing. So I think for sure the curve is correct, that, like, it's easy to get, you know, gain a lot of fun here. And at the top, you're always pushing new boards. I mean, look at Josh Kerr gets off tour and he gets onto all these asymmetricals and twin fins and stuff to keep unlocking new facets of surf to have the same fun that he's had doing his airs and all the way through his whole career. And I think that's, the curve is very important. And I think that speaks to why I'm always feeling creative about designs and maneuvers and different waves and That'll never go away, I don't think. Um, so I like that. And then referring to the other the, how, facet, how do you reset, yeah. To reset, I think that, um, again, I bring it back to contest surfing, is that, to me, has taught me so much about life, right? You're having a shitty day, you get in a fender bender, someone yells at you, flips you off, whatever. You go through the thing, and being able to take that moment and say, okay, I'm present, I'm in my moment, and forward is unknown and behind is behind, you know, like past, present, future mm-hmm. is a big part of even in my own mantras with uh, competing. You know, the past brought us to this moment. The present is dictated by our actions right now in this moment. And the future is a reaction to the present. So in a bad surf, if someone's having a shitty surf, <laughs> I would think, you know, to me, it's hard to have a bad surf because you're in the ocean. You're stoked. But maybe you feel, on, in my own language, I would say maybe I feel stale on a session. Maybe I've been riding the same board for a month and trying the same sequence of moves or whatever it would be, you know, and I would push myself to be creative. Like, what's something I'm not doing? What's something I would want to do? You know, so I think that's kind of, that's how I get myself out of a funk. In a heat, I just try and stay right in my moment, which is that nothing else matters other than this moment. So I dictate the future off of this moment. So if someone's at Salt Creek and someone's having a terrible session, I would think, okay, that's then. And it's a mental um, fortitude to be able to sit there and say, that was then, this is now, and what what am I going to create in the future? You know, Am I going to have a shitty surf for the rest of the day, or am I going to turn it around here by staying in the moment? And it's easier said than done. That's been my you know, continuous striving towards type goal and I don't know if that answers the question, but it feels kind of in the ballpark of no. how I would approach that situation. Absolutely. You know? It's actually really interesting listening to you say that because I think a lot of times the quicker reset to somebody is getting frustrated maybe by virtue of an attitude or... I think it's an attitude. Yeah, yeah. attitude and like struggling technique or frustration mm-hmm. on conditions, yeah. which you are not up against as much or ever anymore. But, uh, but I am. Like, so imagine relative to a contest. I set out to surf the heat up like lows. Sure, but that's a game plan versus... But imagine, you go to surf Salt Creek, and you're thinking, I'm going to go have a great session. And you get out there, and the first thing happens is you pearl. 
Yeah. And then the next wave, some guy burns you. And the next wave, you miss. So there's three things that have dictated that it's not the great session you set out to have. So now you're in the fourth, you know, moment, and you're going, is the next four moments going to be dictated by these first three? Mm. I go to lowers, I have to serve a heat, and I'm preparing to have two tens. First wave, I fall, or I get, you know, whatever. How do you reset? Does that fall dictate the rest of the heat? Right? I mean, I think that there's very similarities in those two. I like it. And then if you're able to take that moment in that exact moment and say, I control my own future or destiny, then you're able to say, okay, the rest is up to me, right? And I think if someone, it, that's completely easier said than done. And that's the goal in competitive. Well, but I think those two, that's where I correlate the two. You know, I think that that has a resonance with that, maybe. I like it. Yeah, sometimes I think is the, the best thing to do is when you get to that and like resetting, basically, looking forward yeah. in from present to future. Now it's, it's often is doing less. Yeah, hundred percent. Just yeah. letting go, yeah. and just because that's probably the the most uh, common fix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting you say that when when you talk about this, it reminds me of what you said earlier, and the concepts of visualizing things. Mm-hmm. The visualization yeah. is that something you've been doing for a long time, and yeah, yeah, I'd say. Could you I mean, I definitely been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I just don't know where it started. Um, probably just from reading books about it, you know. And But more recently, there's a guy I work with. His name's Ken Baum. Uh, he wrote the book called The Mental Edge. Mm. And I met Ken, actually, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's a great dude, great human. And he, you know, he teaches The Mental Edge, which is basically um, kind of a series of different mental fortitudes. And it's like a, a conditioning your mind to perform with your body and I think a big part of his thing is visualization uh, and it's I think he's kind of refined my thought of visualization or my action of it before I would do it but I didn't really know maybe it was more just kind of in theory or I don't know it was like more just me visualizing what I wanted to achieve or what I wanted to do or how I wanted to surf a wave and you know now with Ken it's like we're tapping into like a really cool uh mental dojo uh, if you will you know where you you know you sit down and you have a period of time and he'll either walk me through a visualization session or you know now I'm conditioned to the place where I, I do it myself and and it's it's really cool it's a great tool I think as a as a human I don't think it's relative to surf at all <laughs> I mean that's like when you take a moment to just actually close your eyes and either listen to music or meditate uh, towards a goal or towards a thought or towards an energy, then I think it, it makes it so when you get to that moment, it doesn't feel like a shock. You know, it doesn't feel like you're in a place you don't belong and you feel you've already been here a hundred times and you continue to action forward, you know. Would, I mean, decline this if it's getting too personal, but would you walk us through something? Would it be visualizing um, the act of a bottom turn or would it be visualizing the day of surfing, winning, and leaving. I mean, is, yeah. it, is it is it detailed or? Is oh, it's it... super detailed. Oh, okay. Yeah, incredibly detailed. And it's like the more detailed, the better. Like if you were to close your mind or close your eyes and you're thinking about a situation, like for if it's an easy example, um, let's say I'm gonna go surf Mavericks, you know, and that's something I love to do because it's a fun way. But you know, if I had never surfed Mavs or even just on a big day or whatever. You know, me and Ken, or Ken and I would. Let's, work let's change the example because I, I want to see this. Yeah. Um, name a big wave you haven't surfed that you want to. Um. Well, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure I want to surf, but let's say Cortez. I mean, that seems like 
Perfect that seems like the pinnacle. We know from the picture. Right, yeah. So, and uh, you know, maybe even a better example would be Jaws because I have surfed it one time, and it was the most you know fearing wave and venue I could have ever imagined. Yeah, I sat in this room watching it on the Yeah, <laughs> it was like, I mean, to have never surfed it to go for the event for the first year I'd ever ran. I mean, talk about having to control your emotions in your mind, you know, that was like crazy. So what did you visualize then and were you practicing it? Yeah, that? I was practicing during that time. Um, and that was basically with Ken, we'd sit down and, and you know, I would enter into a space where we'd start like maybe starting on the flight. And it would be every little detail from checking in, going down the, the aisle, who I might see, what I might say, how I'm carrying myself, what's my energy like, what's my face like, what am I, um, you know, what's my, my aura kind of like coming in this experience, checking in, you know, getting through the flight, coming down, checking the hotel, having the boards, going to the meeting, seeing Greg Long, seeing Ian Walsh, seeing whoever it's going to be, how do you interact with those guys, what are you thinking about, this is specific to Jaws event. Um, you know, going all the way through into the morning, what's it going to feel like in the morning when I get up at three in the morning, I'm doing my breath exercise, I got to eat some food, we go down to the harbor at four, you know, we go through this whole process so that the next day, and that, that's a, a more challenging one because I'd never done it, so we didn't really know those process, but in an event like, you know, Huntington Beach, US Open, I know basically, I could sit down and visualize everything straight through because I've done it before, you know. And then I think what that does is it builds, um, it just builds a comfortability with that situation. So when I'm in the boat going out to Jaws and it's, you know, 30 foot and it's on shore and you're like, your heart is just in your throat, I'm feeling more comfortable because I'm like, okay, I know it's coming. I've done this in my mind. And the mind's eye has led me to a place of maybe more confidence or um, just recognizing that situation and, and being ready for that moment and visualizing maybe both the winning or feeling and how you react emotionally to that and drawing inspiration from that so so do you use it as a balance i, I mean i'm just know nothing about this yeah. apart from what i've read and definitely i'm advocate for meditating i think mm -hmm. it's a really great centering practice and it makes total sense and you know makes sense to me but let's say you get on the boats and you leave the harbor at four at 405 the boat breaks down so how now, do you react to that situation so do you yeah. use that so let's say you've um visualize that when something has to change mm -hmm. or you have to pivot yeah do you use that to quickly get back onto a track and comfort yourself or you know what i mean because now yeah. it's almost like you've set yourself up to fail because no, something goes exactly. wrong yeah yeah but that's and that's part of the, the whole process of conditioning you know like we've done that where we've done every different setup oh, and okay. so we've gone through five or six different details like okay so you, hey you might have fallen your first parts. three waves how do you react it and i've already visualized that reaction that moment and then i see might see myself you know being back against the wall in the heat and needing a 9.5 and i deliver something crazy and you know the emotions of the commentator the crowd you know the beach reaction after so then you kind of already condition yourself to go like this year especially with tommy Witz, was like we love slow heats that was a big slogan of ours because as soon as it got slow and everyone fears that in the heat you don't want to be stranded out there needing the score and you don't want to be like, gosh, I was, I've only got two minutes and make a bad decision. So for us, we condition ourselves for that moment. So, you know, I think like you're saying, yes, it does seem like it's a more rigid view, but with someone like Ken or, or Tom, we've conditioned for, for all sorts of different th things in life that we can't expect or can't predict or whatever. And 
And it's kind of even to a further point that it's like, Ken calls it mindful meditation. So there's meditation, which is that you would release everything and be like, oh, and you know, you're kind of letting your subconscious exist where, you know, creativity is coming in. Uh, in mindful meditation, we're meditating towards a goal. So we're trying to be relaxed or create an energy that's going towards a direction. So it's, I don't know if that explains it. Um, it's, it's been several years of developing this and, and really enjoying it. And it's even down to a detail of a maneuver. You know, like I think that's even more relevant to someone who's everyday surfer. If I'm, which I'm wanting to learn the backside 360 era, I'm visualizing that move, all different facets of it. How does it look from a perspective of being filmed? How does it look from the perspective riding the wave? Like I can see my board, the lift, the details. You know, if I'm doing what I want to do. Could you talk us through it right now? Yeah, I mean. Paddle in. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of time. Well, like, it's basically if I'm coming into the wave, I see the nose, I take off. I'm staying in the middle of the face of the wave. I see the curl coming out. The wind's blowing up. I mean, it can be as specific as detailed like that, you know. I love it. Everything, the more detailed, the better, so it feels more real. Um, Where are you? Uh, this one, I'd be in West Oz, and I'd be surfing a left called Gallows. You don't have to give the spot away. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. No, um, it, but I mean, that's where I imagine that that's a great airwave. And yeah, I think if I was going to brief note it, it would be just that I'm seeing the curve of the wave. I'm seeing that as I'm doing the air, I've got a few details I'm aware of, which is uprightness. I'm looking at my tail pad, I'm sucking my knee up, and I'm spotting the landing. And those are just things that I've been asking the best guys how they do it. Those are the kind of main details. And um, How close are you? To what? Sticking it? Yeah. Uh, well, in my mind, I've stuck it a hundred times. But way when you practice, way do you, oh, way do you run out of real experience, and you now and just finish like the sticking. That's got to be the only visualizing it. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. And I, I think that I haven't stuck. I mean, I've stuck a few, like definitely stuck a couple. But like what I would envision, I want to stick in my my mind's eye. I'm still working towards that, and I think the hardest part for me is getting over my board at the very end of it. And that comes from, it kind of comes from both the technique. I think when I'm watching those guys like John John and stuff, you know, he's so over his tail that when he comes through the air, this probably sounds like a foreign language to anyone listening, but, you know, he's he's coming through it and he's already spotted his landing in the first 30% of the rotation. And for me, I'm still a slower rotation, so I'm coming down hitting super hard and and fairly blind. So that's kind of my detail I'm working towards right now. Yeah. And that goes back to technique and, and I think uh, doing it consistently. That's, um, I mean, it, yeah, it might sound foreign to so many people, but I think any part of surfing can be overlooked or glossed over with familiarity, but it's mm -hmm. not. It's the, You break things down to these tiny, tiny elements. I mean, yeah, yeah we were surfing Santa just two nights ago and it was down to where the fingers were mm -hmm. because that's where it was one thing. Like, yeah. really fine slicing it and man I walked away with like the the richness of the memories of that session are so much deeper yeah. than just going through motions that you haven't questioned replayed my injury was a good example mm -hmm. I had to come back to that all the time but like obviously replaying that wave over and over yeah. and over and it was actually kind of a of the injury wave 100% yeah. and, and like the two or three before I was just yeah. in such a zone in the session but yeah it, it was a good thing to sort of live through for the next few mm -hmm. months like you're kind of drawing from it and just yeah breaking surfing down and breaking what you're doing down what you're not doing yeah <laughs> ways to improve yeah and it's, i think in in your mind's eye you can have a lot of creativity you know imagine 
you could visualize doing a rodeo right now. And if uh, the more you do it, the more you're studying that move and you're seeing the videos of how it's done, little details, and you bring those into visualization, then you really have the platform to try it, I think. You know, like, imagine you just said, I want to try a rodeo. And I was like, okay, these are your three details or whatever. I think you could arguably go out and, even if you're not even remotely close, but how fun is that thinking that you could start that process to, like, try something like that? Or maybe that's obviously, like, a different maneuver than you might desire, but I don't know. It's fun. That, that's what keeps me creative and keeps me excited, and, and that's why I don't think surfing will ever lose that for me because it may be reversal to the simplest, smoothest line ever, like you and Dane are shaping a board right now. Mm. You know, like, and that's something that Dane's aspiring towards is this path of the most simple line he can take, you know. Listening to you describe that, my first thought of it, and why we, the way I sort of went down this rabbit trail was going, visualizing to expedite the learning curve. But mm-hmm. when I listened to it, I think that would happen. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. But when I listen to it, it it's visualized to deepen the experience. Yes. And how many yeah. airs have you done that you've never surfed? Well, you've lived them. Like, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a, a living hell is if, if you're replaying or visualizing terrible things. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Exactly. And so... But that, what that allows you to take the future. Yeah. You know, that, that gives you the power of your own onus to be able to say... Control what you can control, not what you can't control. Right? You can't control certain things. No. But what you can control is how you think of something, your your attitude. Well, which comes, comes back to that positivity. session. Yep. You know, if someone goes, I'm having a shitty session, well, you can control how you're viewing that or you can control your reaction to those situations. You can't control that situation. If I pal out and burn you on T Street, you can't control that. I mean you might be able to yell at me or something, but if you're able to react to it in the way you want to, it's gonna dictate the future. Of that experience, I think. Yeah, it comes back to the the whole concept of the, the positive vibe warriors, like such a, I mean, a great mantra. But being positive and you know that setting intention, you know, yeah, almost totally. oh, well, full circle here. But it's it's yeah, this life's just too short and fragile to be bouncing around yeah. trying to you know fall off the bottom turn and yeah stumble on the top turn. It, it's and it's it's just such a great way to use surfing as a lens to sort of counter these things but you know this concept of visualization and setting intentions and refocusing and recentering but with the positive intent yeah it's uh man it's powerful it, yeah. it, it really is powerful what, it's, a, uh, it's a fun endeavor you know that at the end of it how fun is that being able to reflect and gain uh, i think new perspective or uh gain improvements or gain you know direction sometimes you know what is your direction for this year you're sitting here, I mean, the backside tree is great. Yeah. I love that you put a <laughs> yeah. tangible stamp yeah, on it. Yeah, you'll see that one and be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we got, we're going we're gonna to bookend this with that at the end of the year. But um, yeah. no, it's like sitting here, it's January. Um, where's your mind? What are your intents? What, what's your focus? What, uh, surfing life, whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was, a, it was an interesting, it was nice to have a few weeks off here to kind of like, digest last year and reflect on it and say what did I like what did I not like um, in what direction I want to go forward and I really feel that one thing I learned this year was and this is just my in my own personal journey is that the tour is as I kind of expected coming back onto it, it is an incredible platform to showcase your surfing 
Um, and it's, it isn't the end all be all. I don't think as much as it's put on to be a pedestal, like that the tour is, is dictating the value of your surfing or the amount of fun you're having by any means. Um, so I think with that said, I do love performing. I love competing. I think it continuously brings the best out of me. So, um, as long as I'm passionate doing that, I'm going to keep competing. I'll do, you know, the major events on the qualifying series this year. And I think what the intention is to perform the best I've ever performed. And I think that that's, you know, whether it's a CT or QS and whether I qualify or don't qualify through that experience, it's really just about having career highlight, you know, legacy performances at those venues. Um, so that's competitively speaking. I think in terms of my surfing, I really just want to have uh, fresh creativity. And I think that's where the backside three comes in. Big waves, uh, barrels, perfect waves, everything in between. So I've got a lot of cool projects around that that I'm working towards. And in terms of design of boards, I've got some really fun stuff with Mike Andrews that we're working on. And that's going to be really kind of pushing that same level of creativity. So I'm taking the same canvas and changing it with a new design um, to bring out new surfing. And I think that's to keep evolving and improving. And with the foundation, we've got a ton of projects going with that. We have obviously Stark Ramas, and I think we're going to have a really fun initiative at the end of the year that we're working towards, um, which we haven't come out and spoken about just yet, but kind of developing different ideas about those. And yeah, just keep learning and keep rocking and stay psyched. <laughs> See you. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, your your knowledge, your depth, your legacy that you've paved this far and <laughs> looking with intent to pave forward, you know? Yeah. It's so inspiring. But, you know, I, I think, um, like I said, keep coming back to is just, I think these conversations of walking people through what you can get out of surfing, mm-hmm. how to get the most out of it. If, if anything, if we can bring depth to everybody's surfing, it's up to, I mean, this really is up to them. Yeah. And if totally. this can bring a little more depth to somebody's surfing and thus life, which betters us all, mm-hmm. man, that's just, that's really the dream and hope for this. So thanks for sharing your time and experience. And um, yeah, while we're on the, on the mics, yeah, uh, motivate everyone to go over to iTunes and watch the Constella Vibe movie. Oh yeah, please. Download, download it there. It's um, yeah, a couple of episodes ago we talked about what was going on in that film but yeah all proceeds going to the way for change so yeah yeah, thanks again for the opportunity to be involved with that and the work you guys did there and um, way for change and determine their their crew what they're doing just amazing stuff there so check that out but stay tuned for um, getting deeper into the discussions of how to get the most depth out of your surfing and how we're going to go about unpacking that over the entire year that's really Mm -hmm. my goal is to use this year as a canvas (laughs) Once again, yeah. see, it's all the same stuff. It is. It you all, know, all life is. It's all the same yeah. stuff. Let's use surfing as a lens. Yeah. Let's use this year as a canvas and see if we can get the most depth out of our surfing and share it, bring joy to others with a positive vibe. I like that. Thanks, time for having Appreciate it, man. Thanks, bud. Cool. See, that was so fun. How long do you think we spoke? Hour? Almost two hours. Really? That's sick, dude. That's so fun. Well, you kind of have there's no time.